in a series called Catalyst. Uh, this is week two of a four-week series uh, that we're doing together as a church. I'm super excited to be sharing with you everything that the Lord has laid on my heart uh, surrounding this series. There's some really uh, exciting things that I'm excited to share with you. Uh, so just to recap uh, our series from last week, in case you weren't here, last week what we did was we took the time to define what a catalyst is. Uh, so we're, just, we're studying this kind of idea of a catalyst and how Jesus is the great catalyst. And so last week we defined what a catalyst is and we said it was someone or something that brings about change in a person's life. Someone or something that brings about change in a person's life. And we kind of debunked this myth that we don't like change and decided that we actually do really like change because we want to grow as people. We all have ideas of who we want to be. And so we don't actually don't like change. We actually do like change and we want to know how to change and become the people that we want to be. Uh, and the same thing, God shares this desire. He wants to see us grow. We saw that last week in Philippians chapter 1. He's got work that he wants to do with us, and he wants to see us grow and become the people that we were created to be. And so we kind of said that we defined this idea of the catalyst and said that Jesus is the ultimate catalyst for growth. Because any catalyst can come into our lives and make change, because there's positive and negative change. But Jesus wants to come into our lives and completely change everything for the better to make us become the people that we were created to be. Because he knows how to get us there, and he invites us to cooperate him to become the people that we were created to be. And so today and next week, we're going to look at some of the primary ways in which this great catalyst comes into our lives to bring about change. And so we're going to be looking at one of those ways today. But before we do that, I think it's really important to acknowledge something, just kind of a, a foundational idea before we may go into one of those primary ways. And one thing I wanted to bring before you was the fact that we are always changing. We are always changing. We may not notice it. It may go unnoticed from us, but the fact remains that we are always changing. Uh, if you need some convincing of this fact, my married friends in the room, you, again, don't raise your hand, don't need to nod, but is your spouse the same person that you married X amount of years ago? Has your spouse changed at all? Has, has they become a different person at all? A lot of people say that in marriage of the person that they married is not the same person that they are with right now. And that because, that's the reason that that is, is because we are always changing. And so sometimes that's for the better. Like, you know, the person that they married uh, maybe what maybe like needed to work on some things and now, you know, they're, they're completely different and that's amazing, praise God. And so just the fact remains that we are always changing. For everyone else in the room, for those of the people that aren't married, if you look back on your life, if you reflect on you know where you were and where you are now, you'll notice that a lot of things have changed. Uh, for one, little things may change, external things like maybe you have a different favorite food. Uh, maybe you enjoyed something way back in the day and you don't necessarily enjoy it now and so that's changed. Maybe the TV shows, the entertainment that you like back in the day has changed. I remember when I was younger, I loved this show. You may have watched it called The Fairly Odd Parents. Has anyone watched that? Yeah, you can kind of clap for that, I guess. Uh, I, I don't necessarily endorse it. Um, so I watched this show called The Fairly Odd Parents. I was in the doctor's office the other day and an episode was on and I never realized how annoyingly high-pitched their voices are. Like I get why my parents always wanted me to change the channel and turn it off, but I never noticed that as a kid. And so I don't enjoy those shows anymore. I don't, I don't like watching them anymore. Um, you know, I've really matured. Uh, and so that's just, that's just like one of the ways that we see. And we also see if we look back, we'll notice a lot of internal change as well. Maybe we were pretty impatient back in the day. Maybe we were pretty selfish back in the day. And because of certain things that have happened in our lives, that's changed. And we become more selfless. We become more giving. And that's always great to see. Sometimes the opposite happens, and that's not as great to see. But either way, the fact remains that we are always changing. And so 
the reason I want to bring for you of why we are always changing is because there are numerous things in our lives that are always influencing us. There are numerous things in our lives that whether we notice it or not are always altering the person that we are and changing us into the person that we're becoming. I like to call these things little catalysts because we may not notice them. They may not be huge life-altering events, but there are little things in our lives that are constantly influencing us and changing us. And so these little catalysts can come in many, many forms. Um, because much of who we are is a result of what we allow to influence us. And so we can't really decide whether we're going to be influenced by people or ideas or anything, but we do have, get to have the decision of what we're going to allow to influence us. And so, a lot of, so much of who we are is a result of what we allow to influence us. And so if you're not happy with certain things that are showing up in your life, if you're not happy with certain things that you're doing, then it's important to sit back and reflect and decide, what are the things that are influencing me to become like this? What are the things that are influencing these actions that, we're, that I'm taking? Because these little catalysts can show up uh, there's more in our lives than we may realize, and it's basically the things that are consistently showing up in our lives that are molding us into the people that we are today. Um, these catalysts can take many, 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 many forms, and they affect our actions. One thing that I wrote down here in my notes is, is uh, the people and things that influence our beliefs, the things that we allow to influence us, these little catalysts that we allow in our lives, ultimately influence our actions. Um, these catalysts can take many, many, many forms. Uh, for example, one, family. Family is a huge catalyst of, and, and kind of molds us and shapes us and influences us. Not only the, the family that you came from, if you're an adult and you've you know, moved on, you've kind of established a life of your own. The family that we came from really influences us. They change us. They mold us. But also if you have a family now, if you have a spouse, if you have children, those people that are surrounding yourself with are also changing you as well. Um, we're always influencing one another. That's why it's really incredibly important to think about the people that we choose to marry uh, because they're ultimately the ones that are going to influence ourselves and also our children. A lot of people that I've spoken with, a lot of people that I, I've noticed have made big changes in their lives because of the way that they know they're going to influence their children. And so they see certain things in their lives and they see the things that they're doing and they're like, I don't want my children to do this, so I'm going to change this so that way my children don't see this, me setting an example like this. And so children act as a catalyst in our lives. Um, Another big thing, and I've talked about this before, especially in youth group, another little catalyst in our lives are our friends. Uh, pastor Tom Wolf, the legendary Pastor Tom Wolf, he was uh, one of my, my mentors. He was my youth pastor back in the day. He would always say over and over again at youth group, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's something that I pass on to the youth as well. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The people that you choose to spend time with heavily influence the people that you become. They act as catalysts to mold us and to shape us. So not only do our friends and our family, but also entertainment, uh, the things that we choose to consume all have ideas that are moving us and shaping us and molding us. Uh, I've shared this from the pulpit before, and I'm going to share it again because I think it's a great quote. Uh, a one woman who was teaching at a conference that I was at, she told me that her mom always told her that the news can't tell you what to think, but it can tell you what to think about. The news can't tell you what to think, but it can tell you what to think about. And that's just a subtle way that we see these, and I'm not anti-news at all, but it's just a very interesting thing to see the things that we allow in our lives influence us and change us. Social media is there as well. There's a bunch of little catalysts in our lives. And so all these things consistently and quietly mold us and act as catalysts in our lives to change us, whether we notice it or not. 
Pastor Tony Evans uh, uh, brought up this really great quote because as we notice the things in our lives that are changing us and molding us, it's very important to ask ourselves the questions, what are we changing into? What are the things in our lives that we're allowing into our lives changing us into? And Pastor Tony Evans says, states this, change is inevitable, but progress is optional. Change is inevitable, but progress is optional. We are always going to be changing. We're always going to be having things in our lives that are changing us and molding us. It's the question of whether we're progressing towards the person that we want to become. So change is inevitable, but progress is optional. And, and guys, it's very easy. It's very easy not to think about this, not to think about the little catalyst that we allow into our lives. It's very easy to think about these things and not think about the friends that we let into our lives, you know, the people we let into our lives. It's not, it's not, it's very easy not to think about these things, you know, the things that we, people that we date, but we need to be intentional because the people that we let into our lives, the the media we consume, the music we listen to is all going to influence who we become. And so it's very important not to push people away necessarily, but just be very intentional with the stuff we allow into our lives. I always tell everyone who listens, um, especially I tell the youth this a lot, everything in this life is either influencing you into the person that you were created to be or away from the person you were created to be. And so we need to be very intentional about what we let into our lives. Now God... He's pretty smart. I think we could all agree on that. He's a pretty smart guy, and he knows this about us. He knows that the things that are consistently in our lives are going to change us and mold us, and so therefore, he's got a few ideas of what we should include in our lives that's going to change us, uh, and what we shouldn't allow in our lives as well. In fact, for those of you guys doing the Bible reading, I'm sure you've noticed the theme that God is constantly saying to the Israelites, hey, don't marry like these Canaanite women. Don't marry these foreign women. Don't marry these foreign men. Like, don't marry these certain people. And it's kind of like, are you anti-marriage, God? Like, what's going on here? Like, why can't we marry these people that share different beliefs from us? And the reason that that is, is because these certain people from, from these foreign religions, they served other gods that did terrible, terrible things like sacrificing children. Um, they did these things, and they knew that if they allowed them into their lives, if they married them, and they consistently came into their lives and act as catalysts, then they would start doing that as well. And we see that throughout the history of the Israelites. As we're reading through the Bible, we're seeing they allow these people into their lives that didn't share their faith, that didn't share their worldview, that did really terrible things to serve their gods, and then the Israelites start going after them as well. And so God really cares about the things that we allow into our lives, the catalysts we allow into our lives to mold us and shape us. And this is why he wants us to, to do certain things in order to, to see us be molded into what we were created to be. And one of the things that he consistently wants us to do is meet with him every single day. The name of this uh, uh, sermon today is called Meeting with the Catalyst. And because one of the primary ways that I want us to look at is how God wants us to meet with him every single day. Because one of the primary ways that God grows us into who we were created to be is through our daily time with him. Now, this is not necessarily surprising. Uh, You guys know you should be reading your Bibles. You know you should be praying. You know you should be spending time with God. So that's not necessarily revolutionary. But what I really want to do today is explain why this is so important. Explain why spending time with God is so incredibly important and why we should be trying to do it every single day consistently. Um, And I'm going to take a time to briefly explain how this changes us and then at the end kind of go into the practicalities of how to do this. 
Um, Because we see the importance of spending time with God in this passage today. If you look in your bulletins with me, you're going to see Psalm chapter 27, one of my favorite psalms in all of Scripture. I feel like I say that about every single passage that I preach about up here. But Psalm 27 is absolutely amazing. We're going to start in verse 4. Basically, the context of this passage is King David has found himself in, in a bit of a pickle again. He's always getting himself into trouble. He's surrounded by his enemies. He's got a bunch of people coming after him that want to kill him. So he's not in a really good uh, situation right now. Um, And so what he says is he's like, I got all these people surrounding me, and this is the one thing that I ask of the Lord. And so we see this in verse 4. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And so we're going to go into look at the other places in that chapter. So if you're in your Bibles, definitely open up to that chapter. We're going to look at a couple other verses in there as well. But as you can see, what we see is the importance of spending time with God in this passage today. And we not only see this in Psalm 27, we see this all over the place. Uh, Jesus, when he was spending time with these two women named Martha and Mary, Martha is serving and she uh, is kind of upset at her sister Mary, who's spending time sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so she kind of goes up to Jesus and says, hey, can you tell my sister Mary to help me out with the serving, help me out with this? And actually Jesus rebukes Martha and says that spending time with Jesus is more important than this serving that our service to Jesus, that our service to the church, that our service to community should flow out of us spending time with Jesus and not the other way around. We also see this in uh, Daniel. Daniel, very famous guy in the Bible. Uh, He would pray multiple times a day, spending time with God. Jesus would steal away for different periods to spend time with God during his ministry. And so we want to follow that example. And it's so important because this is how it changes us. Now, you may be asking the question, like, how does spending time with God, how does praying, reading our Bible, how on earth does this change us? Um, One, two, I've got two points to make there. The first one is meeting with the catalyst will equip us with the truth. Meeting with the catalyst will equip us with the truth. Now, maybe you grew up in a Baptist church and you hear that and you're like, amen, preacher, let's put on the armor of God. That sounds great. And you have no idea what that means. And so I kind of want to explain that a little bit. How, how does equipping us with the truth, how does knowing God's word change us and mold us? Well, I've kind of preached about this before, so I'll just go briefly into this. Well, what we believe determines what we do. Our beliefs are ultimately going to determine our actions. And so if we have a behavior in our lives that we don't like, something that we're doing that's hurting ourselves or hurting others, if we take some time to reflect and think about it, you're going to find that there's something you're believing that's causing that action. What we believe determines what we do. And going back to the previous point I made about little catalysts in our lives, we have numerous catalysts in our lives that are influencing us, and the way that they influence us is by influencing our beliefs. And so friends, family, TV shows, music are all pushing forward beliefs that are molding and shaping our own beliefs, which ultimately lead to our actions. I've seen many shows, many movies, and things that push forward beliefs that dramatically affect our culture. One very uh, intense narrative that is being pushed forward in many shows, uh, TV shows that I've seen today, sometimes somewhat explicitly, is this idea that life is meaningless, that there is no God, that life is absurd, that there's absolutely no meaning that we can find, and we just kind of have to accept that and go from that. I've seen TV shows explicitly say that, that are very popular, and we, with these things happen, they dramatically shape our actions. They dramatically shape the people that we become because we live in a culture that is very anxious, that is very depressed, and that is hurt, doing things to hurt others and hurt themselves because of this belief that is being pushed forward. 
And so we need to be very aware of these things, not necessarily that we need to, to push everything away. I'm not anti-movie. I'm not anti-TV show. I just think I'm, we should be very aware of how these things influence us. Because equipping ourselves with truth will help us to fight back from the lies in this world, and it will lead to godly character change. When you immerse yourself in this book, when you immerse yourself in God's word and you find the truth, you will find the truth about the world, you will find the truth about God, and you will ultimately find the truth about yourself. All of that is found in there. We look for this truth everywhere in this world, and there's many ideas swirling around in this world, but the ultimate truth is found in this book. And as we learn these truths, we will begin to believe them and preach them to ourselves. And I'm sure when I say that term, preach to ourselves, you may think, okay, that might be for some people, that may be for pastors, that might be for super Christians, they preach to themselves, but I know I don't do that. Actually, that, that's, that's not true. We preach to ourselves literally all the time. I sometimes ask people, hey, who do you think that you talk through the most? And people come up and say, they're like, okay, I think I talk to my mom a lot. I definitely talk to my spouse a lot. Sometimes I talk to my best friend a lot. And actually, like, while those may be true and you may talk to those people a fair amount, the truth is the person you talk to the most is yourself. We are constantly talking to ourselves and telling ourselves things. We're constantly preaching to ourselves. It's just a question of what we're saying to ourselves. Because it breaks my heart when people believe lies and they tell those things to themselves and it affects their actions. You know, people, they believe, the lie, they believe this lie that, that they're worthless, that their life has no purpose, that they have no meaning, that they're unlovable. And that dramatically affects the way they live, our, they live their lives. People kind of get shackled to these lies that are present in this world and they tell themselves, they preach themselves to this. And that's why we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God so that way we can, we can uh, be equipped with the incredible truth of God's word to preach to ourselves and be free from that. Because when we look for, when we know the truth and we preach, ourselves, preach it to ourselves, it leads to tremendous growth. If we look at David in Psalm 27, if you start in verse 1, we see that David is preaching to fear. David is preaching to fear. Looking at verse 1, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So right now he's surrounded by his enemies. He's terrified. He's scared. And what is he doing? He's, he's preaching to himself the truth about God to combat that fear. Basically, what anxiety and fear is coming into his life and saying, hey, do you know all the things that could go wrong? Do you know what could happen to you? And kind of listing those things and building up fear in his life. But he is coming back to the truth of God's word, the truth of God's character. He's saying, listen, anxiety, fear, the real question is, do you know my God? Because he's going to take care of me. He's going to love me, and he's going to save me from this. And that's exactly what we see. We also see this later on in this passage, in verse 13 and 14. We see he's preaching to patience, because right now he's really scared. He's not sure what the future holds. He's feeling kind of hopeless, and so he's preaching the hope of the future with God to himself. He says, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And so we see that King David is in the habit of not only immersing self, himself in the truth, he was a man after God's own heart, but he also preaches that truth to himself as the situations of life arise, and we can do the same thing. Because sometimes, you know, the truth is hard. It's not all lovey-dovey all the time. In fact, the gospel is a hard truth for us to accept because the gospel tells us that we are sinners. The gospel tells us that we are alienated from God, so much so that we can't save ourselves. And that's a hard truth to swallow. But then the beautiful truth comes in 
were that God loves us so much that even though we are sinners and even though we are alienated from God, Christ came to us. And because of his work on the cross, dying and being resurrected, we have an opportunity to have peace with God, acceptance with God, and forgiveness with God if we trust in what Jesus did. That's an incredible truth that we must preach to ourselves. But we can't preach these things to ourselves if we do not know it. Next thing, uh, next reason that meeting with the catalyst leads to growth is because it leads to self-awareness. And I'm super excited to share this with you guys because self-awareness uh, may be an interesting term that you've heard thrown around before. Basically what it means is that you are conscious of your own character, you're conscious of your own feelings and desires, and you're conscious of the ways. Basically having self-awareness is knowing what you do and why you do it. Uh, a lot of times we don't examine our lives, we don't examine the things that we do, but if we want to grow, we need to have self-awareness. I've heard many pastors and preachers say that self-awareness is essential to growth. If we want to grow, we need to be aware of our strengths, we need to be aware of our weaknesses, and we need to be aware of the areas we need to change. And there's many ways to grow in self-awareness, and I'm going to go over one today. Because the question is, how do we become self-aware? So, I'm sure you guys uh, are missing Pastor Josh a little bit. Uh, he's on vacation, so I'm hoping he's having a great time. And so because of that, because in honor of Pastor Josh, I thought it'd be pretty fun to have a prop today. So it's prop day. Um, if you're listening online, I'm about to do a Bob Ross painting tutorial. Uh, and so it's going to be a beautiful painting. Um, that's not true at all. Sorry. Uh, I am actually just going to draw a graph. But we'll go from there. So uh, what I'm about to teach you today is the greatest thing that I learned in seminary. It revolutionized my, revolutionized my life. Probably, like, I think about this every single day. Changes my life on the daily. Where I learned this was from uh, my boss. He had a father-in-law who graduated top of his class at VMI. Pretty impressive. Pretty cool. And after a very successful military career, uh, also really great Christian man, super awesome. After an amazing military career, he now goes around to companies like Google and Microsoft and teaches about leadership. So pretty impressive resume. I was like, I think I should listen to this guy. And he kind of sat with us and he taught us about, basically gave his leadership, his leadership spiel, his leadership teaching. Uh, and one of the things that he taught us during that time, there was many amazing things that he went over that I don't have time for today. But one of the most amazing things that he talked about was how to become a great leader. And you may be, may be out there saying to yourself, well, I'm not necessarily a leader, but that's not true. Leadership is influence. If you have influence in people's lives, that means you're a leader. So if you're a parent, you have influence over your children, you have influence over your spouse, you have influence in your community. If you're, if you're a student, you have influence over your friends, you have influence over your siblings. Every single person in this room has influence, which is why we want to influence this community for Christ. And so we went over this, this really uh, amazing idea uh, on how to become better leaders because the idea he presented to us was if you want to become a better leader, you need to have what he calls dynamic dynamic leadership experiences, which is a very fancy term for basically any time you have an opportunity to be a leader, that's an experience that you can learn from to become a better leader. And so he says you need to seek these out, you need to pursue these things, and so for us as Christ followers in this room, the way that it translates to us is like any time that we have an opportunity to be like Christ, that's a dynamic Christ-like experience that will grow us in our faith. And so he's, you need to seek those out. You need to look for those opportunities. It's going to be really amazing. But he's like, all right, that's going to lead to great growth. Do you want to learn how to get tremendous growth? And I nodded my head and said, absolutely, yes, I do. And so he's like, all right, let me use this to illustrate. And so we're going to do a little graph. It's been a while since I've used math. And so thank you to all my math teachers out there. Um, that's an x-axis. This is a y-axis. And so he drew this graph. And what he put on the x-axis was the word time. 
And so the x-axis is going to represent time. I have very terrible handwriting. Hopefully you can read that. Um, time right there. And on the y-axis, he wrote growth. Ba -ba -ba -ba. This is very difficult to do. Um, if I mess up, I was just going to draw a tree like Bob Ross, but we're, lo we're doing all right so far. So you do the x-axis is time and the y-axis is growth. And he says, I'm going to mark two leaders on this graph. He says, the first one is leader B. So we're going to put a B here. And he grew exponentially over a, over a long amount of time, which is really cool. And then he says, I'm going to draw leader A. Now, leader A grew incredibly well, grew a ton as a leader, grew a ton in Christ-likeness over a short amount of time. And I was like, that's really interesting. That's really cool. And then he said to us, what if I told you that leader A and leader B had the same exact experiences but saw different growth? And we're like, I would be very intrigued. And he says, what do you think would be the difference between leader A and leader B? And so we gave a few guesses, and of course we were all wrong, and so he took the time to tell us. And he says, you see leader B over here, he grew, he, they both had dynamic leadership experiences, and he grew exponentially, slowly but surely, over a long amount of time. Leader A grew very, very fast over a short amount of time and is going to continue to grow like that over and over again. And he said the reason, the difference between leader A and leader B with their dynamic leadership experiences was leader A took those experiences that he had, took those experiences that he had be, being Christ-like, and he took the time to reflect upon them. And so leader B would have those experiences but then wouldn't think about them at all and would kind of go on to the next experience. And he did experience growth, which was really cool. But leader A, after he had those experiences, he sat down. He's like, all right, what did I do well there? How can I improve? Like what went wrong there and how can we do that differently next time? He sat down and asked himself really good reflective questions to learn. And because of that, he experienced tremendous growth much more than leader B. Pretty academic, Sean. Pretty interesting, Sean. What on earth does that have to do with what we're talking about today? The thing with spending time with God, especially consistent daily time with God, is that it gives us the opportunity to reflect when we spend time with him. When we are honest with him, when we lay our lives before him, when we, become, when we come to him in prayer and are vulnerable with him about what's going on in our lives, when we bring forward his needs, as he would say, inquire in his temple, when we just sit in his presence and talk about our day, as he would say, dwell before him, when we read the commands of God and we deflect on our own life, it leads to tremendous growth. So what does this look like? How could you do what leader A do, does in your time with God? How could you do this consistently in your daily life? Basically, it's very simple. Whenever you have a really incredible experience, you can just talk to God about it. So let's say you have an amazing conversation with your son or daughter. Let's say you have an amazing conversation with your spouse, amazing conversation with your friend. You can walk away from that, go to your prayer closet, go to your war room. If you don't have one, get one, highly recommend it. Go to those closets and basically say like, Lord, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was incredible. Maybe you have an awesome interaction with your boss and you walk away and you're like, basically go to God in prayer and be like, that was incredible. That's amazing, Lord. How on earth did that happen? And you get to pray, and you get to talk with God, and you get to read his word, and it's like, all right, how, how did I get to that amazing conversation with my, with my child? Like, we're usually pretty distant. What happened there? It's like, okay, well, maybe this last time I went in, rather than accusing them of something, I led with a question and gave them an opportunity to explain themselves. Wow, that worked really well. Man, I, I've been really trying to have a conversation with one of my friends, and I asked my friends for prayer, and then boom, it happened. Maybe should, I should ask people to pray for these things more. 
And you can see slowly but surely, if you consistently come before the Lord and you reflect on what you experience with him, you're going to experience tremendous growth because you're going to start to notice patterns of how God's moving. And you're going to start noticing things that you should do over and over again to see those same results. And the same thing, much more importantly, that we must do is that when we fail, when we mess up, that is when we desperately need to go before the Lord in prayer. Because not only do we get to go before him, confess what happened, say, hey, man, I, 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 I offended you. I hurt, this, I hurt my spouse. I hurt my kid. I hurt whoever. Not only do we get to do that, but then it gives us the opportunity to be like, I don't, wanna, I won't, I don't want that to happen again, Lord. How can I avoid this? What led to this? So it's like, well, I was pretty grumpy coming home from work, and that one thing led to another. This thing led to this, and then I kind of exploded on my spouse, or I kind of exploded on this person. We have the opportunity to not only accept the grace and the forgiveness of God, but then we have an opportunity to reflect on failure. One of the greatest things that I learned in seminary was that we should not waste any failures, but see them as opportunities to accept grace, be humbled, and learn from them. Because we're constantly learning from them, then we get to avoid them in the future. Because I'm sure many people, myself included, have had experiences where we're like, I never want to do that again. I never want to happen, that to happen again. When we bring our failures before the Lord and we're honest with him and we work through it and reflect on it with him, we don't have to do that again. And we can see those patterns and we can understand why we do what we do and we can ask for his help to change us. And we see David doing this. In verse 11, he talks about, he says, he says teach me your way, O God, and lead me on a level path. He basically goes before the Lord and says, hey, my, my pathways are a little out of whack. Can you please help me? Teach me your ways. And when we spend time with God, he does just that. And so being honest with God, receiving grace from him will lead to a deep relationship between you and the Father, something that you look forward to every single day. And it will lead to tremendous growth and you guys, be, all of us, becoming who we were created to be. Wrapping things up, what, what does this look like? If we understand that one of the great ways that Jesus is a catalyst in our lives is through us spending time with him, what does this look like? How, how can we actually practically do that? Because many people hear about Devo times, quiet times, but it's, it can be very confusing on how to do that. Before, before I get into practicalities, I just want to identify one thing. Um, and that's the, the goal of spending time with God, the goal of meeting with the catalyst. Because a lot of times people think the goal of reading the word is application and practicalities. I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you that the goal is not strictly application. A lot of people enter into the Bible each day and say to themselves, I need to learn something from this to apply to my life. And that's a good mentality to have. But the problem is, if you look to the Bible to, to give you something to apply to your, to your life every single day, at the end of a year, you're going to have 365 things to apply to your life. Guys, I'm still trying to apply flossing to my life, and that's taken a while. That's taken some time. And so if you have 365 things to apply to your life, like you're just going to get overwhelmed, and you're not going to want to read your Bible. And so the application is going to come. Like you're going to see things and habits like flossing in your Bible. Well, I don't know if flossing is in the Bible. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But you're going to see things in this Bible. It's like I want to apply that to your life. And you do that slowly but surely and consistently over time. But don't overwhelm yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, the goal of, of, of doing a Debo, the goal of a quiet time is simply to spend time with God. If you spend time with God when you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you walk away from that, that is a successful quiet time. And so that kind of takes the pressure off, which is what I wanted to do today. And so if we do this consistently, we're going to see incredible change. And so practically what this looks like, what this can look like, is you can sit down with the Lord, sit down in a room, maybe at a desk, maybe in your favorite chair. 
I always like to sit in my favorite chair. And basically what you can do is take time to journal. A lot of times we bring into the Bible a bunch of thoughts that we're thinking about. And so taking a moment to journal or to pray out loud the things that are on our mind will help us to get it out. And fellas, if you're in the room and you're thinking, I really don't want to journal, that sounds like a diary, not, that's kind of a chick thing, I'm not interested in that. Just saying, most Forbes successful men and women, most successful business leaders advocate for journaling. They think journaling about their day and reflecting on their day is one of the most successful habits that they can do. And so highly recommend journaling. Taking the time to journal, write down what you're thinking about, and be vulnerable. God already knows what's going on in your life. He already knows the things that you've done. And so even if you've messed up, take time to be vulnerable before the Lord and share with him what's going on. The next thing to do is read the truth. Just kind of take, take a dive into the Bible. Swim in the Bible. Read it. It can be a chapter. It can be 10 chapters. Sometimes the Bible reading is 10 chapters. You can be a single verse. It's just as long as you read the truth and spend time on it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be a certain chapter length. It doesn't need to be whatever. It could be a single verse. And either way, that's a successful time with God. Then take time to meditate on it. Think about a verse or two. If you've read a chapter or two and something stood out to you, go back and think about that for a couple minutes and then just kind of journal and write down your thoughts. And ladies and gentlemen, if you do that, you've just spent time with God. And if you do that consistently, you will see God slowly but surely mold you and shape you because this is an incredible habit to bring into our lives that will shape us and mold us. And a lot of times we can make this more complicated. In fact, I'm a king of making things complicated. So if you want tips on how to make it more complicated, I'll gladly talk to you. But you don't need to make it super complicated. If you, if you spend just a little bit of time with Jesus, that is so much better than nothing. One thing I would recommend that's been very helpful for me uh, on, on few days is that you can choose a room that you're going to do this in. Choose a room where you're going to spend time with God. Take your phone, put it into an adjacent room, and just say, hey, Siri, or Google, whatever you have, Set a timer for 15 minutes, and then you place the phone down. That way it can't distract you. You go into that adjacent room. You spend time with God. You read his truth. You pray. That timer's going to go off, and boom, you've spent successful time with God. It doesn't need to be super complicated, and you can do more than 15 minutes. I advocate for more than 15 minutes, but having 15 minutes as a starting point is really, really helpful. And if we do this, this catalytic habit of spending time with the great catalyst, spending time with the person that loves you and wants to mold you and shape you, will slowly but surely change us into who we were created to be. This is one of the primary ways that Jesus changes our lives, and it's something that all believers should, should strive to put in their life, and you're going to learn to love it and really enjoy it. The catalyst is waiting for all of us, and he wants to lead us by the hand into the abundant life. It's just a question of whether we'll accept that invitation. At this time, I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come back up, and we're going to close in worship. And so I encourage you to take time to think about where you could fit even 10 to 15 minutes of spending time in the Word into your day. Because I promise you on the authority of Scripture, if we do this, we're going to see incredible life change, not only in ourselves, but in our families and in the world. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful that you are a God that wants to meet with us, that wants to spend time with us, that wants to grow in our relationship with you. And so I just pray that you would guide us and lead us uh, into deeper meditation on your word, into deeper knowledge of your truth. That way we can preach it to ourselves, Lord. Uh, and I pray that this would ultimately lead to the life change that you want to see in us, that we might change this world for you. We love you, Lord. Please help us seek first your kingdom. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.